Uh, a few years ago, uh, my oldest son uh, started to take up a new hobby, uh, just running. And he got better at it and was running faster and longer distances. And uh, he wanted to run a, a race, so he signed up for a 10K. And my younger son and I went to watch him. You know, it was about this time of year, November. It was cold. We're all bundled up early in the morning. We go over to the race to watch him run. And uh, we're sitting there, and, you know, my youngers, we're like, we're not running unless something's chasing us. You know, we're not running nowhere. And so we're there just to support him. And I had never been to a race in my life. And uh, neither had my younger son. And I didn't realize, you know, I don't, how many of you are runners? How, how many runners we have? You got some runners? You, you know you folks are unique, right? I mean, you understand. Like, runners have these little runner ticks. You know, they're over there kind of, you know, doing this stuff to get ready and, whoo, whoo, you know, making these little noises and barking and stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, my younger son, I look at you like, these are not our people. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> this, this is a different kind of deal. And so, just out of sheer boredom and freezing to death, we're standing there while our other son's getting, getting ready. And, and we're just watching people as they go by, you know. And just out of, you know, I know, I, it's evil and stupid, I understand. We just start making fun of people, you know what I mean? Like, look at this guy right here, you know, he's, look at this guy, you know, he's really, then look at this one over here, you know, he's really, look at this guy. And, and our body language becomes more demonstrative and more demonstrative, and we're doing all this crazy stuff, you know, look at this guy right here, you know, he's giving it some of this, he's really going to run. And all of a sudden, we turn around and look behind us, and there's this big crowd of people who've gathered for the race, and we're standing up on this big hill, and they're all just staring at us. I mean, like legit runner people and their family and fans staring at us. And, and we look, and, and I look over, and go, hey, man, we better leave. Like, it's time, it's time to go. You know what I'm saying? We do. And, and, and I'm thinking, how dumb are we? Like, we have people who are out here ex extending their life, the quantity and quality of their life. Because they're running in shape, and here we are, you know, got up made our Fruit Loops, and we're making fun of them. And in that moment, we lacked a very critical element that would have been very important to help us, and that is awareness. <laughs> we were not aware that while we were doing all this stuff, just, had, just knee slapping, having a good time, that there were all these people staring at us, and they could see everything that we were doing. We were not aware. But I do find that awareness um, is something that we all struggle with sometimes. We are not, none of us are fully aware of everything all the time. If we were, we'd be God. But we're not, we're just people. And so therefore, as people, we are not fully aware of everything that's around us all the time. So in this series, uh, I have two goals for this series. One is, is that would, we would raise awareness. The other one is to offer hope. And so, um, how to thrive when life feels heavy. How do, you, how do you thrive when life feels heavy? Two points with a lot of information behind it. Here's the first one. You must recognize that life is heavy and why life is heavy. In other words, you have 0% chance of solving a problem you don't know exists. So the only way that you're ever going to be able to thrive in a time of heaviness is first you've got to recognize that you're actually in a time of heaviness. We can't live the way we do when life is lighter because different environments have different rules. So I want you to think about it like this. Um, it, advancing on land and advancing in water 
have different strategies. Why? Because you're in a different environment. Have you ever tried to swim on land? You didn't get very far, did you? Have you ever tried to run in water? Well, the deeper it got, the worse things went. But that's how it is right now if we're just going to trudge forward and pretend like these are normal times when different rules apply to these times than other times, we're going to have a hard time making progress. We're going to have a hard time thriving. So the question is, how do we thrive when life is heavy? We can't just put our head down and, uh, and just keep moving on regardless of what we feel or what we see. That might work when life is light. And when life is heavy, you can put your head down and just keep pushing. But what you're likely to do, like a person trying to swim on land, is you're going to wear down and hurt yourself or maybe even hurt the people you love. So there's this picture I I got from John Eldridge who wrote a book called Resilient, uh, who kind of hit this topic. And he compared the difference in a horse and a camel. So uh, let me show you. Here's a beautiful camel, you know, as far as camels go. Here's a beautiful camel. And a camel is an amazing beast that will travel a thousand miles in the middle of the desert carrying a heavy load with no water. But, but a camel does have, for a, as amazing as a camel is, a camel does have a weakness. And here's the weakness. You can't tell when it's tired. It doesn't show any signs of fatigue. It just trudges on one foot after another through the hot sun, carrying a heavy load with nothing to drink, and then one day it just kicks over and dies. And you don't know which step that is. Now, a horse is very different. A horse tires gradually, and you can see the signs building. A horse will begin to froth at the mouth and all, all kind of things that you can see in a horse. You know, we got to give this horse some rest or it's not going to make it. we got to give this horse some water or it's not going to make it. But a camel looks the same on day 900 that it did on day one. You can't, you can't tell. And so I think that more of us people tend to behave like camels rather than horses. We rally in a crisis. We trudge on. We rise again and again and again and again, do a challenge after challenge, and then out of nowhere, we collapse in discouragement, or we collapse in fatigue, or we collapse in depression, or, or we decla- collapse in great doubt, or we collapse into numbness. We just can't feel. I know I'm a recovering camel. <laughs> I haven't fully recovered, but I'm working on it. So we just keep moving, but the question is, at what cost? At what cost? We're so likely, when we just put our head down in a time of heaviness and keep trudging on, we're so likely to hurt ourselves, and we're so likely to hurt those we love. We push too far, too long, push our relationships too far, push our body too far, push our mind too far, and then like a camel, we just tilt over one day. Is it possible that the marriage problems that you're experiencing today come from a deeper place than just normal relationship problems? Is it possible that the doubts that you have about God come from a deeper place than just normal doubt? Is it possible that the fear or the discouragement or the weariness of your soul 
comes from a different place than just normal life and normal things. Like a camel, when we keep pushing forward, we just start to wear thin, but we can't see it. We can't register it. We don't know it. So, the question I want to ask you this morning is, why, why might life feel heavy right now? What are some things that would make life feel heavy? Well, let me rewind the clock about two years and just talk about some of the things that happened. In March of 2020, we went into a crazy lockdown because a pandemic had shaken the world. If you're watching from other parts of the world, you might have gone into lockdown earlier or later. Around here, it was, it was around March. And we lived in the fear of death by sickness for close to two years. And we watched people that we loved and that we knew die. I guarantee you, you can name someone by first name, someone that you know who died as a result of COVID. I can name nine. I, I went through and said, now how many people did I personally know? Not people that I knew that knew someone, or not someone I knew's relatives, friends that I never met, but how many people did I personally know? Nine people. Shelby County, Alabama, where we live, saw 470 people. If you include Jefferson County, it's over 2,900 people that, that passed away because of COVID. Now, put on top of that, in just a week or two's notice, schools locked down, churches locked down, businesses locked down, the economy has been you know, reeling like a yo-yo ever since. Every sense of normal life that we had was taken away from us, and it was withheld for months with no finish line. Nobody to tell us, hey, it'll be over in 30 days, just one more week, just 19 more days. There was no perceivable finish line. And basically what happened to us is, is we lived in global trauma. Now, the tendency is to say, yeah, but like kids are back to school and businesses are open and everything's, you know, open now. That's over. Now we're all fine. No one in this room or watching me online right now would dare tell a person who had lived in an abusive family, an abusive house, that the day they moved out, it's all okay now because you moved out. We would all inherently know that life's not that simple. The moment that the trauma's over doesn't mean that you're okay. It just means that you're not being inflicted more. And so we as people can't begin to heal until we feel safe. And now that we feel safe from the threat of the pandemic, things are starting to bubble up. So um, you can add on top of that trauma, recession, inflation, the speed of change. My goodness, any of you that lead anywhere teachers uh, in the medical field, in the business field, you know the last two years has been trying to like catch a tiger by the tail because every week you show up and something's changing, you've got to respond and react because the world's changing. I'm just telling you, you and I were not created to endure change at this speed. And it, it, it is hard on our soul. The housing market, political tension. And then people are just angry. Man, we live in an angry time. 
So um, Laura Van Der Lipsky, I'm so proud of myself that I pronounced that right. She is the founder and director of the Trauma Stewardship Institute. She said this, as hard as the initial trauma is, it's the aftermath that destroys people. I saw this after Hurricane Katrina when we lived down on the coast. You, you, you run with adrenaline and you work as hard as you need to work to get everything back to normal. But then nobody really works on the inside. And I think that's where we are as a society now. So here's what I want to say right up front. I'm not here today to convince you that your life's heavy. Maybe your life's not heavy. And if it's not heavy, that's great. I'm not trying to talk you into life being heavy. I am trying to say this, though. Have you done an honest, personal assessment and looked inside yourself and honestly asked the question, how am I doing? Am I okay? Have you done that? And maybe you have. And maybe you're, or maybe you will, and maybe you'll find out that your life's not heavy right now. And maybe it's not, but I guarantee you, you know someone who is. You know somebody's who is. And this series will help you help them, even if it doesn't help you help you. So, I don't want you to just collapse like a camel because you haven't looked inside. Now, the Bible instructs us to do this, to take inventory, to look in, to examine ourselves. I want to read in Psalm 139 uh, from the message 23 and 24. Listen to this. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. <laughs> Like, what's going on inside here? God, help me. Help me see. what You realize he's not praying that God would search him so God could learn something. God already knows. He's saying, search me and show me so I can understand. And then the Bible also tells us in the New Testament that Jesus was fully aware of who he was, of what was going on on the inside. John 13, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So, this morning, let's just follow the guidance of the Bible and let's look inside for a few minutes and why don't we just start uh, taking a large look at our society. When we look inside our society, how's our society doing? Well, over the last two years, life expectancy in the United States has dropped by 2.7 years. That is the largest two-year drop in nearly 100 years. So that's a sign that maybe we as society aren't well. American productivity is down 4.1%. What does that mean? Americans are not as productive as they were before. By the way, this is the largest drop we've seen since we've been keeping this number over 70 years. Because something's going on. And then I'll give you one from my world. 42% of pastors are seriously considering leaving ministry. So it's not like it just hits certain parts. Here's another sign that people just aren't well, let me say it a different, different way. That life's heavy right now. So I reached out to a, a counselor in our church and I said, hey, can you tell me what you're seeing in the counseling room? Are you seeing any effects of trauma or um, 
people suffering in the aftermath of the pandemic. And I just want to read to you a few sentences that I think are very illuminating. I got a lot of helpful information back, but I want to read you a few sentences of what I received. Here's what I received. Clients who've never taken antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications began asking their doctors for prescriptions. Couples and families saw an increase in conflict, difficulty dealing with a family member's increased symptoms, and more acting out behaviors such as increased use of alcohol or use of recreational drugs. I also saw an increase in pornography use or extra, uh, extramarital affairs in my couples. So, as a society, it doesn't seem like, it seems like life's heavy. Even though the pandemic has shrunk and it appears that we're out of any imminent threat, man, it feels like life's heavy right now. So what about you? How are you? Let me give you some signs of trauma, of signs that you've endured trauma. Now, these aren't comprehensive and we don't have time to do the whole thing, but let me just give you some symptoms of a person who suffered trauma One's a, a loss of creativity. I just don't have the ability to think creative. A lack of grace for people. You know, people that irritate you. How's your, how's your bandwidth for people that irritate you? How's your bandwidth for the person that gets to the end of the grocery line, rings everything up, and then pulls their purse out and says, let me find my checkbook? What about the person that sits at the red light once it turns green? How you doing with that? Uh, signs of irritability. Avoiding behaviors. Avoiding places. Avoiding people. Avoiding certain uh, thinking about certain things. Avoiding certain conversations. Why? I just don't have the energy to deal with that right now. So I'm just going to avoid it. And that might be a sign of wisdom sometimes, but it also might be a sign of trauma. Brain fog. A lack of ability to concentrate, to make decisions, to process information. I can tell you, after, um, after enduring significant amount of trauma in my life, I've suffered for long seasons at different times with brain fog. Just an inability to think. An inability to think clearly, an inability to make decisions, or, or decisions take way too long to make. Like, I might make a good decision, but my goodness, who's got time to take that amount of time? Brain fog. Short-term memory loss. You, you pick your cell phone up and go, who was I going to call? Or somebody says, hey, um, you didn't reply to that email, and you go, for the life of me, I can't remember you sending me an email. <laughs> I don't remember. Short-term, short-term memory loss, feeling uh, a lack of feeling positive emotions, social draining. In other words, it used to be uh, exciting to you when people would invite you to things, and now you're so excited when people don't invite you. Come on. Oh, I'm so glad nobody invited me. Oh, that might be a sign of trauma. Right? You're laughing, right? But you know. Diminished capacity. Just don't have the internal resources to meet the challenges of the moment, the day, the hour, the, the project, the whatever. Just scraping by. 
So this summer, um, I, I want to I show you an evaluation tool that I used with our staff, myself and our staff this summer. Uh, and here it is. The question is, how much energy do you have? So I want you to pretend that like number 10 high is like, look, I might be tired at the end of the day, but every morning I wake up with, with fresh energy. And I have the energy to meet the challenges of the day, and I have a little bit left over when the day's over, and, you know, we start over, and you're all looking around like nobody's a 10. Like, I don't, I don't know a 10, right? That's, that's perfect. That's awesome. Down here on a 1 or a 0, whatever you want to call it, uh, when you're down there, you say, if something dramatic doesn't change quickly, I'm not going to make it. Like, I've got to have significant time off or I've got to withdraw from my life. Something incredible has to happen pretty soon or I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I asked our staff, on this, on this continuum, where would you say that you are this summer? And I can tell you our staff team mostly landed somewhere around three or four. The whole group. And look, these are good people that live pretty healthy lives. They work hard. Um, but overall, they're pretty healthy people. They said, I'm, the, the whole group was about within about a three or four. And, I, and I, by the way, this summer as we evaluated, I put myself there. I've been to zero twice, at least, that I know of. I might have been three times. Now, here's the question I have for you. Where are you at? Like if you had to just attach your present energy level to a number, what would that be? You know, would it be really low, really high, in the middle? But I think, I think what this tells us is we often process life like camels. You know, we just put our head down and we just do whatever we got to do and we just push forward because, look, everything's back open and everybody's sick of the pandemic and everybody's sick of what happened and they just want to put it all behind us and just trudge forward and catch up on everything we've missed for two years and everybody from every corner of society is asking you for 100%. But maybe you don't have 100%. And just putting your head down and pushing through is not going to help you get through this. We can get through this, but we can't get through it if we, just, if we swim on land. <laughs> we can't get through it like that. It's not about trying harder or pushing harder. We can't camel our way through it. And unfortunately, sometimes in times like these, the church hasn't helped us much. And maybe, maybe you like, maybe you're watching or listening today, and you, if you were honest, you'd say, you know, the church is not the first place I would turn if my life was heavy. Well, I, I want to just dispel two myths that oftentimes come up around subjects like these, okay? Here's the first myth good Christians don't struggle with mental health problems. In other words, if you just had more faith or you're a better Christian, you wouldn't feel this way, right? Well, let me read something to you from Psalms 88 that's in the Bible. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. So encouraging. 
I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have taken from me, friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Now, I just want you to know something. That was written by a person who follows God. And God himself inspired those words so much so that he included them in his book, in the Bible. Because they're they're holy words and inspired words, and they in some way inform us in our own life. So it's not a matter of just try harder or do better or, you know, sometimes people give you shallow answers to deep problems. I remember many years ago when we lived in uh, Mississippi, we were having some difficult problems in our church. And, uh, and, and there were a, a few people who, you do know people have the ability to cause trouble, right? You understand that? I'm not giving you a news flash. So we, and, and I was sharing this with a pastor friend of mine from another state, and he said, you know, we had this big old thing that went on for a year, and he said, I just went over to the chair where they sit, and I prayed over that chair, Lord, you've got to do something because this is, this is dividing and hurting people, and Lord, you have to do something. He goes, and it, something broke, and that was it, and the whole problem went away. And I thought, that's amazing. So I went over to our sanctuary, I went to the chairs, I said, Lord, you did it for him. I'm not even sure you like him. I mean, you know, come on. I'm joking. Lord, do something here. You know, nothing changed. (laughs) Nothing. No, I'm sorry. That's not true. Something changed. It got worse. (laughs) Now, why? Sometimes we give little formulas to people. And it's not because we don't mean well. But we say things like, you just believe God, you know. Just praise God and it'll go away. You're like, well, I lost my voice doing that. Now what I do? Right? Because everybody's problem is different. And so you can't just give these little formulas, these little, you know, fortune cookie sayings that make life all, go, all get better. Struggling doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. It just means you're human. All right, now here's the other myth. God doesn't care about your mental health problems. Like, isn't God concerned with big things? Like, isn't he trying to solve climate change or, you know, the global economy or keeping us from war or famine? Isn't God, you know, focused on all that? God doesn't really care about my mental health problems, does he? Aren't they too big? Or we say, no, God only cares about spiritual things. You know, like vacation Bible school and memorizing Scripture and, you know, doing good works, and God cares about spiritual things. He doesn't care about these kind of things. And that's so not true. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your, would you say that word with me? Anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares about your pain. Can I just say that again? God cares about your pain. Like it matters to him. He takes it seriously. He cares about you and what you're going through. So, kind of recapping, 
The first thing we said today is, in order to thrive when life feels heavy, you have to first recognize that life is heavy, and you've got to find out why is it heavy. Here's the second thought, and this ends us today. You must find hope. Here's the thing. You will not thrive without hope. I don't know and have never met a hopeless person that's thriving. Have you? I've never met a hopeless person that's thriving. But I've got good news for you today. God specializes in hope. (laughs) It's his specialty. It's what he does, I don't know, maybe best. Psalm 36, verse 5 through 9, listen to this. The same book of the Bible that we read about darkness being your greatest friend. Listen to what else it says. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. Listen, listen to this sentence right here. Zero in on one word with me. You give them drink from your river. Focus in on that. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. You know, Jesus echoed this same idea. In your river of delights. There is a river flowing from the heart of God that never runs dry. It is an unlimited resource that will never run out. You're never going to go to drink from it and it's going to be empty. There's a river. Jesus built on that idea in the New Testament and right in the middle of a big banquet, he stood up in John seven thirty seven and said this, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. I've got good news for you today. Hope isn't a concept. It's not an ideal. It's not a theory. Hope is a person. And his name is Jesus. Isn't that right? And he's a river that will never run dry. A river of delight. A river of renewal. A river of refreshing. A river of healing. And it'll never run dry. How do you get that hope? If you've suffered trauma, if life is heavy for you, there's only one way you will ever recover. I'm not saying it doesn't have other pieces, but there's one piece if you don't do, you will never recover. You have to take in more than you give out. There has to be a a space, a time, a place, a moment, a season, a rhythm, a routine, something where you take more in than you give out. You will never get better. You will never recover without that movement happening into your life. So here's my question for you today. When do you receive? When do you receive? receive. Not like a camel with its head down, just blistering through the hot sun. When do you receive? 
when do you receive the life that will heal your soul? When do you receive the river of living water that flows inside and will regenerate you and renew you and, yes, heal you? Heal you. Recover you. You can recover. You can, you can move on that energy scale from low back up to high. I mean, we're talking about practical stuff. I'm not talking about, you know, pixie dust. You can, you can absolutely recover. And in this series, we're going to be giving you some practical ways that you can thrive. We're going to be talking about letting go of losses. We're going to talk about embracing limits and building margin in your life. We're going to talk about it in the next few weeks. And we're going to give you practical ways to do that. But this morning, I want to give you one practical way. There is a, um, an app you can find in the App Store, Android, iPhone, whichever, called the One Minute Pause app. I highly recommend it to you. And here's why. It is... Um, A series of short guided prayers. One minute, three minute, five minute, ten minute. And here's the thing. There's a 30 day schedule in it that you can activate. And what it will do is it will pop a notification up on your phone at whatever intervals you tell it to do. And when it does, you stop and you pause. And you walk through that guided prayer. Now, Today would be a great day to start that. And about the time we end this series, you'll finish the 30 days. And here's what I want to tell you. You you don't have to be, look, you don't have to be perfect. Some of you on the type A side, you don't have to be perfect, okay? You're like, I missed a day, so it's all over. You know, it's all off. No. Uh, We're going to give you grace, okay? And God's going to give you grace. But you sign up, and if you just embrace a rhythm of receiving. I want you to look at me and I want want to tell you something. I guarantee you that you will get better. I'm not saying in 30 days every problem that ever happened in your life will be gone. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you will set space to receive and to drink, in 30 days you will see a visible improvement in your life you will begin to recover wherever you are maybe you're at a 7 wouldn't 10 be great (laughs) maybe you're at a 2 or 3 and wouldn't 4 be good and it can help you move along I, I, I had a neighbor reach out to me I don't know a month ago uh, they don't go to our church. They go to church somewhere else. And uh, just said, hey, would you pray for me and my husband? I'm just battling with so much anxiety. Uh, it's, just, it's just tearing me up. And so they just texted. I texted back a prayer, a specific prayer I was praying for them. And then I thought, hey, there's one more step. So I texted her this one-minute pause app. And I said, would you just take this and you know use it best you can and so several of our staff have been using this app for weeks and weeks and look it's not a replacement for the bible <laughs> but it is 
a framework by which you have to put very little effort in that you can receive and connect with God. And I've used it many times. And I want to encourage you as a practical tool to do that. And you can jump in, you know, today. And it will help you. So this morning what I'd like to do, we're going we're gonna to sing uh, one more song. And what I want to ask you to do is just stay seated. Just going to ask you to, to sit. If you're online, you know, you're probably already sitting. <laughs> just stay where you are. And our worship team's just going to come and offer this song to you as a gift. And what I'd like for you to do is just receive. Okay? Just receive it. And allow Jesus to minister living water to your soul. And later in the song, you know, we'll ask you to stand. But if you would, just take a minute and receive today. Would you just pray along those lines with me right now? Lord... We acknowledge that you are the river of life. <laughs> you are living water. And in you is healing and life and peace and joy and wholeness. And today, Lord, we receive from you. You have given so generously and so powerfully. Today we receive your love.